0: Hello. Good morning, and welcome back to another episode of the Silmarillion Film Project. I'm your co-host Dave Kale. With me, as always, are Trish Lambert and the illustrious Tolkien professor Corey Olson. And today is probably the big one of our um, season zero preseason planning part of this podcast. We're going to be divvying up seasons. I keep using the word seasons over and over again, that's a little distracting, (laughs) but this is where we're going to be dividing up the massive storyline of the Silmarillion covering multiple millennia, thousands and thousands of years, and tons of long stories into actual seasons for the show. This is probably one of the biggest decisions we'll make, so if you're not here this morning, you're totally missing out. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Absolutely. But I'm sure you'll still enjoy Absolutely. it listening yeah. later, so this don't just the, turn this, the podcast This is off. the season finale of season zero, uh, as it as it, uh, as it it were. And which I want to is... say, this is a global
2: group today making these determinations. We have people from all over the world. We've got we Tobias do. in Sweden. We've got Philip in Australia, right, Philip? We've got DMA in Alaska, and I'm sure I'm missing other people. Uh, we've got Jana in the Netherlands. I mean, I'm sure I'm missing other people, but this is awesome.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh Brian in Taiwan. There we go. Taiwan. <laughs>
2: Brian's in Taiwan. Oh my goodness. Cool.
1: I I I didn't realize that, Brian. That's cool. Um Yeah, so anyway, no, it's uh it's a, a great group. We're glad to have your input here today. This is a, uh this is uh this is a this is a very important um moment in uh, the uh, film-film planning history. So before we move on, however, to our big discussion, I want to do, as Trish suggested last time, a general review. And as I was reviewing, I was realizing there was at least one thing that I still sort of had questions about. Not questions in the sense of things will work out in more detail as we go through. Um, That's true of many of these things, because, of course, it would be kind of foolish for us to waste too much of our time doing fine-point detail planning of things that are still years away in discussion but um, but l- let me do a quick overview of what we've done before so our first question was about frame narrative, should we have a frame narrative and, and if so how would we do it and our decision was that we would in fact have a frame narrative so that we can take advantage of the opportunity um, to do both to give viewers a frame of reference with the characters that they're familiar with, um, and also to be making some connections and sort of showing the relevance and applicability of these first age stories um, with the later uh, stories. So we're going to have a small number of different narrators who are going to be set in the generally in the in sort of in the late third age, early fourth age we're going to uh, not just have static narrators, not just have like somebody reading out of a book to somebody else, um, but we're going to be incorporating the story uh, of the narrators and, and and their own character development as the show goes through. So as the seasons proceed, the lives of the narrators will be moving in different places, and so the different stories will have different kind of relevances to different parts of their lives. Um, and that's the part of the, the, the narrator stuff that I was really excited about when we were talking about it, really thinking on that level of detail about how these stories can all kind of fit together, and I thought that was awesome and gives us a really fun way to explore some of these narrators. Uh, which narrators? Uh, uh, of course, the candidates that we had, we had a whole bunch of different candidates. Um, we didn't make firm decisions on this, because we're going to sort of see in some ways how this is going to work out when we're actually working on stories to assign to people. The leading candidates that we talked about were Sam, Aragorn, maybe Celeborn in Rivendell, And uh, we talked about the possibility of Legolas and Gimli, uh, getting them involved. Um, From a late Third Age standpoint, they seem like an attractive possibility. And, of course, Gimli gives us the opportunity to do dwarvish things uh, in our narrations. Um, Were there other major candidates that I'm forgetting, guys, other than those? Ones. I
2: don't think so. I mean, Aragorn encompasses a lot because we talked about Aragorn right. from the standpoint of being Estelle in Elrond's house all the way to him, you know, being king and looking back. And, you know, so. Right,
1: exactly. We get the opportunity through the Aragorn line to put in, you know, cameos <laughs> by people like Gil Ryan. I have, this,
2: I have this idea of Sam's kids are out in the front yard and they're fighting over something and Sam comes out and says, well, let me just tell you the story of the Silmarils.
1: And how, you know, being too possessive <laughs> right. and prideful can be <laughs> Right, exactly. So little Faramir, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, good. So. Uh, so and uh, like I said, so cameos with Aragorn. We, we, we will be able to bring in, you know, other characters, as, as I was saying, such as Arwen, such as uh, uh, Gorfindel, such as uh, Gilrein, his mom, um, Elrond himself, uh, you know, and if we wanted to at various points to sort of make contact with some of these other characters, and especially of course in uh, Elrond to a lesser extent, Glorfindel to a greater extent, we can bring in eyewitnesses. Um, and of course Galadriel uh, at times. With We could do Celeborn and Galadriel earlier on. We don't have to just start with Celeborn in Rivendell. We could start with Celeborn and Galadriel and thus bring Galadriel in it if we wanted to. So um anyway there's um uh, there's there's uh, uh, lots of possibilities with those, but those were the sort of the main central figures that we had been that we had been thinking about um, yeah, second there's, episode? if there 's anyone yeah, that you 've forgotten
0: about. then we 've also forgotten
1: them. Right. Okay. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So the second episode we talked about Eluvitar and the Valar. How would we depict those? And then also, how would we depict uh, magic and song? Eluvitar, we sort of decided that he that uh, non Ainulindale category. The Ainulindale is a separate issue of its own, which we'll talk about when we get to the Ainulindale episode, which is not far away now, people. I know you've been really wanting to talk about that, so we're we're, we're moving closer and closer, actually, to planning the Ainulindale episode. Um, but um, but outside the Ainulindalë, there are very few moments when Luvatar actually speaks. You know, where where we feel like the narrative would compel us to actually bring him in, and that the best and safest thing is just not to do that. That he can be talked about, um, but there's 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 very little call to actually bring him in as a character, either visually or even audibly. Um, the Valar, Audially? Um, uh, 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 orally, orally. I could say. Orally. I guess.
2: But, yeah. I like. No, I like it when you make up words. I think that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's
1: all it's it's all good. Um, the the uh, uh, the Valar. We had talked about basically doing having two different representations. Um, one being um, uh, before the elves arrived. Remember, they don't know for sure exactly what the elves looked like. They had they played no part in the planning of the elves. Um, so the when we tell the pre-awakening of the elves story of the Valar, we're going to give them forms which uh, reflect their own sort of elemental character, uh, and the as sort of the parts of, of Arda that they are associated with. Um, so, you know, we'll have, like, you know, Ulmo be all Oceany, and Manway be all, you know, Lord of the Sky-ish, and, you know, uh, <laughs> Nina be a puddle of tears. So um, we're, right. we're,
2: I still like the idea of Yavanna taking on different animal forms. I could totally see her, like, in a bear form saying to Al, like, does my butt look big in this form? <laughs> <laughs> it's,
1: it's, there's so many possibilities. So many possibilities. <laughs> man. Like, Tolkis is never oh. going to change. He's going to, like, look like the young Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he's always going <laughs> to Like the young Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, uh, Like I I don't know if you if you've if if you've ever seen the eternal classic Hercules in New York. This is this is Arnold's first ever film. When he Dear can barely Lord, speak no, English, but man, I wish I had. Oh, now. it's hysterical! It is hysterical. Um, the premise is announced clearly in the title. He plays the role of Hercules, who is showing up in New York City for some reason. I don't even remember what the actual plot of the film is, but it's hilarious. Um, anyway, so uh, but but like as buff as 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 Arnold was when he was like Hercules in New York or like Conan the Barbarian. That's uh, that's totally how I uh, picture <laughs> Tolkis. Anyhow, um, so. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, and anyway, so we've got the elemental form before the elves, and then the and then have them adapt and, and actually look like. So when the elves arrive in Valinor, um, they will actually look like elves, and that's when we're going to cast them. So you know, so we will cast the Valar um, as actors and actresses. But we'll we have them, We're not going to have them uh, take on their sort of human slash elf forms. But did we say that will use
2: they'll, they'll do the voices of the Valar before they?
1: Yes, yes. The actors can still do the voices prior to that. Yeah, sure. Though we can perhaps do some 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 uh, audio effects uh, right. associated with them in their earlier forms, perhaps if we want to. Um, anyway, so okay. Uh, the but we also do want a musical theme associated with each of the Valar. That I think is going to be important, and this is something that we will bring in later on, especially for our depiction of magic, which we talked about um, having magic associated with musical themes and songs. Um, we had talked about wanting to be comparatively minimalistic in how we actually depicted the ac- the action of magic when it's um, uh, w- when someone is, uh, you know, do, you know, Sam. Um, Sam says, uh, you know, there's magic all around, but you never see anybody working it, right? You never see anybody doing the magic. Um, and I, I think that we'd want to keep it that way as much as possible, actually. That seems kind of fitting. Um, but I don't really, you know... I and, and, and am I right? This is, this is one of the parts in the overview, when I was thinking it through, that I was least confident in, because we were very close to the ep- end of the episode when we talked about this. Um, it, it, are you guys in agreement that basically our, our, our decision there was that we want to kind of minimize the visual representation of magical effects? Yeah,
2: well, I, but didn't we say we needed something
1: Well, there are going to be moments when we cannot help it. Like, the, of course, the the example that we were talking about there was the conflict between Sauron and Finrod. Right.
2: Um,
1: But there, uh, I I remember there we were talking about the way that the songs actually work, you know, the way that that... You know the bit from the lay of Lathian which which Tolkien quotes in the Silmarillion you know the the, the verse that interrupts the narrative at that point um, gives it's a battle of imagery it's, 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 a, it's a poetic battle it's if if you, you want to say it this way it's a storytelling battle right they're each one telling sort of telling a different story and and whose story wins it determines who wins the the, the, uh, the battle there.
2: You know, by the way, this is, doesn't answer your question, but it's something that's occurred to me, and this is kind of based on one of the course sessions you just did recently on the, in the poetry course, mm-hmm. is we're going to need poetry. Because the, the chants and stuff, I mean, we're going to mm-hmm. need poetry beyond Tolkien's own poetry. So Pineleaf, get on that, or anybody else who's a poet. Okay. You yeah. know, we're, and, and I'm thinking, because you've even gone into sort of the differences that Tolkien uses in the style of poetry he uses, given the purpose of the poem we should probably be thinking about that. And I think that applies, I mean, that is pertinent to this topic because some of that's going to be magic-oriented stuff.
1: Yes, yes, yeah, that's true.
2: Or sung, you know, sung poetry.
1: Right, right. Yep. So we will need to be thinking about uh, verse at times. Um, that's going to be tough because I'm going to be awful picky. Uh, I'm, I'm like the worst <laughs> possible person because, like, on the one hand, I'm gonna be super critical of anybody's poetry, uh when it comes to this but I'm but I, but I suck at writing it myself. So <laughs> I'm just gonna be like, nope, nope, I'm not gonna produce any, but I dislike everything you say. No, I just not true. I mean of course I'm not gonna be like that, but uh but uh, I
2: just draw from Tolkien himself, I suppose.
1: Yeah, drawing drawing from it and um uh and uh and 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 certainly and I think modeling on where I where I will be most interested there is sort of following um some of Tolkien's own tendencies in verse forms and, and, right. and that kind of stuff exactly that he does in poetry. Um uh, the homework
2: but, when the yeah. course pack comes out everybody has to listen to the course pack of the poetry episode <laughs> so that you know what he's talking about.
1: <laughs> Man, that class has like changed my oh. life possibly more oh than gosh. any class uh, awesome. Cross I've ever taught. It's been really... I mean, if
2: you think you know everything about Tolkien, no, 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 no.
1: Take the <laughs> poetry course. Oh, wow. Yeah, man. The stuff I've learned this semester in going through that stuff. I have never looked at these poems in this much detail before. And, it is. It's um, amazing. It's, uh, uh, it's amazing. Um yeah, yeah. Okay, anyway, um, so, right, so episode three, we're talking about rhetorical register, and one of the, the main conclusion we came to there is that the rhetorical register of our show is going to need to be much more varied than the Silmarillion. Um, the Silmarillion, we talked about how this is, you know, an overview, uh, it, it, which is, you know, done from, uh, you know, sort of from the Elvish point of view, um, <laughs> the the tone of the narrator, which is which is you know pretty distinctive in the Silmarillion, um, we're not going to shy away from using archaic terms and stuff like that, but at the same time the dialogue is going to be much more variable than it is in the books. That people mostly talk the same you know, as each other. I, um, most people in the Silmarillion talk pretty much the same. We don't get much in the way of dialect. In the Silmarillion. And again, that's just because of the kind of narrative that it is. It's not a drama. And we're not... The, 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 the Silmarillion, as it's told, doesn't even, in a sense, really claim to be giving you direct quotes, almost, if you see what I mean. It's an overview. Like, here's what happened. And we get dialogue from people. Um, but it's not really the focal point, and there's not, it's not trying to preserve that style. And so, it's probably
2: more of a representation of the actual dialogue, because it's still being sort of told in a story form. So Right.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, so we we are going to want to pay more attention to those kinds of differences in register. Um, and, uh, you know, we talked about having some sort of dialectical differentiation for different races and groups. I think that that's perfectly, even, even accents in some cases, um, you know, different accents associated with different racial groups um, uh, and sort of, you know, geographical clusters and things like that. Um, and that seems to me, you know, we don't want to overdo that. We talked a bit about the language problem, um, which is still a problem, and uh, we couldn't come up with any real way to actually represent the the quenya Sindarin divide, for instance, um, which I have a real problem with because that's so close to the heart of the story. Um, and so it, it, it's... Um, to, to say, hey, let's tell the story of the Silmarillion, but let's like pretend they all spoke the same language all the time and language wasn't even an issue, is, seems to me kind of like saying, hey, let's tell the story of the Aeneid, but let's ignore Rome okay, let's just forget about the founding of Rome, uh, but let's tell the story of the Aeneid anyway. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's. Uh, uh, I have a really hard time with that, but I don't see a way around the practical difficulties that we were going through last time. So that's so one that I, it's a put-off, isn't it? We just kind of put it off. For kind now, of, right? yeah. yeah. Mostly because, I mean, it's not urgent right now. I mean, it's important to recognize that problem. Um we have a we have a general plan, you know, for how we're going to. You know, we, we, we want to have sort of a higher rhetorical register for the Valar, um, you know, and uh, and you know, so we can we can demonstrate not just I you know I mentioned a dialectical distinction, not just dialectical, but but that kind of rhetorically, you know, the the Valar will use sort of you know kind of higher style, more archaic language, um, and the elves. Uh, you know, less so, but still more than 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 the men and 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 that kind of thing. Um, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Gabrielle says we may just have to break our still hearts. Yeah, it's possible. See, Gabrielle, this is exactly the kind of thing that you come across when you're trying to do an adaptation, right? You know, when you make the choice to say we're going to do this radical thing, which is to take this story and we're gonna we're gonna retell this story in a completely different medium. These are exactly the kinds of choices that you get confronted with, and it's hard. Sometimes you just have to say, well, "That's what we're going to do," you know. And it's it's tough, it's tough. Um, but um, uh, any any follow up on that, Dave? Have I done a fair job in doing a vague overview of the rhetorical register discussion?
0: You you've done an excellent job of summarizing the ambiguity and um, uncertainty. Of the Excellent. Very good. <laughs> Very good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're we're uh, in season zero we're all about uh uh clear plans and concrete decisions. That's yep. what that's what that's what we're doing here.
0: And kicking the can down the street.
1: Kicking the can down the street—that's that's especially what we're doing. But we have thought about it, and we have a framework in place. We're good. We're totally—we've totally accomplished our goals. Uh, and, and our last question was chronology. Um, are we going to be jumping around? Are we going to attempt to create essentially one unified chronological story, um, where we sort of push things uh, together? And uh, Dave, I think that your argument last time—that basically we don't want to end up like Game of Thrones, where we're like giving four minutes per episode to, you know, to seven different stories as we try to, to push them along. Not that the Silmarillion story is ever going to bifurcate quite as many times as, uh, as as you know, the Song of Ice and Fire has, but um, but still, we don't want to be in that position where we're like, and now 15 minutes of the story of Turin, meanwhile, let's get back to Gondolin. Um, that that's, we would rather just tell them in that sense, more in the style, more in the structure, that is, of the Silmarillion, um, telling unified stories, and our choice about the narrators, as I said last time, seems to me to have predestined us to make that particular choice, because it's hard to see how we could do otherwise if we're going to associate particular stories with particular narrators. So, um, anyway, that's um, that's that's where we've been. That's where we've been. Um, And today, it's time to talk about, to make some hard and fast decisions about... There some more very theoretical things. Um, but first, uh, announcements before we move on. Um, uh, announcements, the big announcement this week at MythGuard is that our fall courses are set and, uh, and ready for registration. So I will, um, uh, Trish, if you could post the link to the fall course page. We have some awesome fall, I'm really excited about the courses this fall. Um, they uh they they're they're three very, th- three classes which appeal in three very different directions uh but uh but there's 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 uh there's they are hard to choose among. Uh, the first is Amy Sturgis's Star Wars class to be looking at not only the Star Wars films but the whole Star Wars cultural phenomenon uh, and uh, its literary and intellectual history and development. Um, that's going to be just a you know for anybody who really likes to go in depth in uh, you know is, is really sort of in love with the Star Wars world uh, and in, in attracted by the whole Star Wars phenomenon. This is really going to be sort of the, uh, the the sort of ultimate academic inquiry into 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 the Star Wars thing as we were anticipating the next film. Very timely, um, very timely. Yeah, no, uh, 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 Dr. Sturgis has been super excited about that. When I when I uh, you know she had been talking about Star Wars for a while, and when I proposed maybe she do a whole class on it, um, you know, it was like. Uh, it, it, it it was like offering candy to a child you know she was like oh really I could really do that oh man she was just so pumped about that she and uh, anyone who's taken a class with dr Sturgis uh, can imagine the the enthusiasm of her response um uh, the second class we have is an introduction to anglo-saxon uh, uh, taught by Mike drought uh, which is I could I just you know Mike drought is one of the greatest Tolkien scholars and one of the greatest anglo-saxon scholars in the world today um, and so to be you know if you've ever wanted to actually learn Old English if you actually wanted to, to be able to read these poems which were so influential to Tolkien um, and really begin to, to sort of get into that and and uh, revolution to revolutionize the way that you read uh, uh, Rohirric poetry uh, and all that kind of thing. Um, this is just a, a, a wonderful opportunity to learn Old English. You will go from zero to Beowulf in one semester. So um, that's, uh, that's, that's a really fun opportunity. Second, uh, thirdly um, is a new class by a new Mythgard lecturer, uh, somebody I've been hoping to uh, have on our faculty for several years, and that is, uh, that is John Garth, Author of Tolkien and the Great War. Um, and, uh, and his class is going to be looking at Tolkien's early life and its relationship. With his work, he's going to be looking at uh, Tolkien's time at school, his his really formative period, um, with that with that group of of close friends back at uh, back at his, his, his earlier school, at, uh, you know, before before Oxford, um, uh, the 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 TCBS is what they called themselves, um, and then of course his time in World War One, where several of those early friends died, and uh, um and and you know looking at how his early mythology. Grew out of this time period. Um, it's it's you know I, I've as you know people who've been following my podcast for a long time know I don't do a lot with Tolkien's biography. Um, And it's not because I don't think it's possible to do it well. You've heard me complain many times, uh, doubtless, that lots of people do it badly, and that's one of the reasons I generally dislike it. John Garth does it really well. It is, of course, very possible uh, to be looking at Tolkien's life and the relationship between his life and his work in really interesting, thoughtful, and respectful ways, and John Garth is... Uh, you know, in my opinion, the, the the best in the world at this. Um, so this is this this course is going to be a really really fun opportunity. It's called Tolkien's Wars in Middle Earth. So those are the three classes we're offering this fall. Um, it's uh, it's a it's a it's a really fun group. So I encourage you to check that out. We've posted uh, the link uh, to the course page here uh, for those who are live with us live. Um, uh, uh, for those who uh, uh, are listening afterwards, if you go to, we uh, hey, will have it in the show org. notes
2: as well. Yeah, Maybe we will include
1: it. Yeah, yeah. So if you go to uh, if you go to Mythgard.org, you should uh, see uh, the link for that. If you go to um, current classes in the quick links box on the uh, Mythgard.org homepage, it will bring you there as well. So, so okay. So as I say, that's the big thing going on at Mythgard this week. Now. On to our big discussion. Uh, uh, this is the point where I usually give the book context of the episode. The two things that I would want to do here, there's, of course, no one specific passage that we're looking at, obviously, um, but the two things I want to do is, uh, first, a reminder about the sort of style and approach. And again, we talked about this some last week, um, but I really want to um, to kind of remind us of it now, because it is, it is important um, as we think about how we're going to do this story. Um, what I mean is, the Silmarillion is an overview. The word epitome is the word that Christopher Tolkien so often uses um, about it. But, um, uh, say, hang on a second. Uh, uh, Trish, we're getting some, I think, hissing from, is it your mic? That we're getting some, so we're getting Maybe some background my fan. From, let me myself. From a, from a mic here. Yeah, yeah, I think that was. I'm not sure what's causing that there, but... Um, uh, anyway, okay, so um, the, the Silmarillion is, is an epitome. It's meant to be an overview. It's, it's a, it's, it's, it's a summary like, you know, going back to the roots of the Silmarillion in the Book of Lost Tales, designed to be a, um, you know, here is this story told in general terms, um, not a we're up close to the action following the story kind of narrative like we get in The Lord of the Rings. It's just a totally different kind of narrative. What this means for our purposes is that we must always remember the plot outline of the Silmarillion need not necessarily... You know, when we're talking about the whole show and how we're going to frame our, our, our episodes... We can't just be looking at the table of contents of the Silmarillion and say, okay, we'll cover this chapter, then we'll cover that chapter, then we'll cover that chapter. Um, because we're telling a very different kind of story, there's going to be a lot of stuff that we're going to want or need to add in. There's going to be a lot of um, of of sort of background details, character development, um Things that get alluded to in uh, in the Silmarillion narrative that we're going to really want or need to flesh out, you know, there's there's definitely um, um, there's definitely a lot of, of scope for that. So when we're thinking about the plot, again, I, this is not a question of us just sort of taking the published Silmarillion and dividing it up into sections. Okay, so that's just the first thing I want to emphasize as we go into this discussion. Um, the second, after that, though. Um, I want to be do a kind of a quick review, just to make sure we're all on the same page. Because again, I, I, I'm, I, I am sort of assuming that people have read The Silmarillion, but I don't want to assume too much, and that everybody remembers all the details of it off the top of their heads. Um, so just to sort of remind us of the general movements of, of you know, uh, he, here's, here's my, like, couple-minute like plot summary of The Silmarillion, essentially, to be thinking of the different movements of things the beginning of the silmarillion we have the time of the valar and when the valar are initially creating arda and forming and shaping arda and their initial conflicts with melkor so we have you know they when remember the scenes when they create those those lamps right before they found valinor create the trees they have those great lamps and then and 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 then uh, melkor enters into the world and he he spills the lamps um and you know there's this great Cataclysm and 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 conflict between him and his followers and the Valar, and he goes and he sets up uh, Utumno, his great northern fortress, um, and then the Valar after this go and set up Valinor, and that's it's after that that the trees are formed. So, don't forget all of this material that we have, not even counting the Lindelay, Don't forget all of this material that we have before the elves arrive. We it's not a totally elf focused story from day one. Um, after this, of course, we have the chaining of Melkor, and then the, and the awakening of the elves, which two events happen, at, you know, at very near the same time. Um, the invitation of the elves back to Valinor, that time with like the three representatives who go over and visit, and then come back and say, "No, this is legit. Let's go," um, and then the travel of the elves across Middle Earth. Um, all the way across Middle-earth. This is a very long journey that they take from the shores of to the uh to the western shores of Middle-earth. And then, remember, there's all that stuff about the crossing, right? The, some of them go over right away, some of them don't go over right away, and they go over in, like, different batches, and some of them never leave, and this is the time when Thingol meets Melian and is standing frozen for several centuries, um, at, that we were joking about last time while they're over in Valinor, Melkor is chained. Melkor is unchained and then he starts spreading lies and dissension among the Noldor, and this is where we get Feanor and the Silmarils and the unrest of the Noldor uh, in Valinor leading up to the Kinslang and their departure and the crossing of the Helcaraxa and all that stuff. Um, So... After that, we're back in Middle Earth, and everything starts going progressively downhill. Um, but I especially wanted to remind everybody of these, of all of these different kinds of events that we get in the beginning uh, of Middle Earth, because that's the stuff we need to wrestle with most clearly. It seems to me foolish for us to go into too much detail. Um, in, you know, uh, and to spend too much time arguing about, like, where exactly we are going to end season eight, for instance, uh, because it's, you know, lots is, lots going to happen between now and then. But I do want to make sure that we have a provisional plan for the first, you know, at least three or maybe four seasons, so that we have a sense of kind of where we're headed. And, um, and 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 uh, and what the what the sort of the the shape of our stories are going to be. So, all right. Um, one question that a lot of people have asked, or or even one sort of assumption that a lot of people are making, is a question about where this whole thing is supposed to end. Um, that is, where the Silmarillion Film Project is meant to terminate. Um, what is supposed to be the final story? What's supposed to be happening in the last episode? Um, Uh, Many people have been assuming that we're going to end at the War of Wrath. I don't want to end at the War of Wrath. Why wouldn't we tell the story of Numenor? I want to tell the story of Numenor. Um, Yeah, no, honestly, um, I kind of, assuming that we're still having fun doing this, (laughs) you know, 10, 15 years from now, (laughs) whenever we get to this point, um, I don't see why we don't, like, carry on. I mean, I, I, so basically, I'm thinking the final episode of the Silmarillion Film Project is Sam Gamgee getting on the boat.
0: Yeah, I, um, s- I say we just remake The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, too. Absolutely. Yeah, we totally absolutely. The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Why
1: not?
2: <laughs> we might even go past. Sam leaving on the boat and return to Celeborn and have him do a little epilogue thing.
1: So. Why not? Why not? Yeah, who knows? But anyway, I mean, well, yeah. Or Arwen so... and,
2: and, you know, death of Ar, uh, Aragorn and Arwen and Lorien, so you know, we that still would have be a That would
0: be a pretty fascinating way to handle um, uh, the, 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 the various frame narratives that we construct for the earlier parts of the show. Wrap right. uh, Catch catch up to them and then even pass them.
1: Oh, yeah. Right. Catch up to them. Do it. Do a Do a. Uh, yeah. So that basically, the the very end of the show um, is the contemporaneous wrapping up of the frame episode. We, we we bring the whole thing up to the present time of the of the latest installations of the narrators, and then we close up the stories of the narrators, and that's the end of the show. Yep. Um, yep. Absolutely. Um, so uh, so yeah yeah no we're looking at uh, we're looking at. You know, easily uh, 15, 20 years uh, worth of shows. So uh, that's all. That's all. I hope you guys didn't have anything you were planning to do in the next few decades. So, um. not me. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's the plan. So just uh, to just... keep
2: me off the streets and out of the pool halls, no problem.
1: <laughs> that's right. That's uh, that's 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 our hope, uh, really. Um, so 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 just 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 you know, but we're not going to plan all the way through that. Today. Um, our first question has to be where and, and I, I don't want to get too bogged down in, in planning like we're not gonna do planning of every single episode of season one here. That's what we're gonna do at the in the first episode of season of season one. So you know coming up next is that well there will be the opportunity to do that. To me the first the big question is um where are we gonna end? Where is the plot arc of season one? Meant to end. If we assuming uh, we begin at the Ina Lindley, which I am assuming we're going to begin at the Ina Uh Let me start with that question. Do either of you have any objections to starting with the Ina Lindley?
2: Not me. I think you got to have that. It sets the context.
0: Dave. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> in principle, in principle, no. But um, uh, but. Um, I don't know. It, it, there's concerns about how to execute the whole Music of the Ainur thing. So, I I mean we we certainly need to start with the Ainulindale, but maybe we don't necessarily need to do some kind of um psychotropic
1: uh, uh the Music of the Ainur thing. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean there are a couple of different ways that we could handle it and I know lots of people have been itching to talk about this, the the Ainulindale and we'll totally get to that very soon in the beginning of season 1. Um But, Dave, I agree with you. There are definitely some, uh, there I think, some very sensible objections to be made to having episode one of season one of our show be something totally different from all the other episodes that will ever be in our show. Um, But thinking chronologically, assuming we're going to start, you know, we are going to somehow or other tell the story of the Silmarillion, or tell the story of the Ina and get that in there. Um, uh, where do we end? Um, I would like to propose three possibilities just to, to, to kind of give us some concrete, and, and feel if you think I've left out any other obvious possibilities. Um, option one would be that season one goes from the beginning through the awakening of the elves. Okay, so that the, the whole first season focuses on the story of the Valar, and we only just get to the awakening of the elves at the end of season one. Thirteen episodes, we agreed, was, was what our seasons are going to be. Um, option two would be going all the way through the unchaining of Melkor. So that is, we get the elves to Valinor, and then Melkor is released, but we don't do the whole Rebellion of the Noldor thing in season one. We save that for season two. That would be option two. Mm-hmm. Season option three would be we do that. In fact, in season one, we, we 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 do the other stuff more briefly as a build up to the Noldor, and we do end season one with the flight of the Noldor, either with the kinslaying or with the crossing of the Helcaraxa or something like that. Um, the burning of the ships, Yana suggests exactly something like that. We we we. Uh, I agree that would be uh, i I, Yana, I love the idea of having like the closing scene of the season finale of season uh, of, of of a season finale being the burning of the ships. Um, yeah, I, I was gonna say if we don't use for it season, season one, one,
0: we certainly need to use it for some season.
1: Right, exactly. But the quest but that's exactly the question. What what do we want our season one to be about? That's a lot to cover. That if is we go a lot all the way cover. through the burning of the ships, that's that's a huge amount.
2: Yeah, I'm yes. not in favor of that. I think there's too much
1: story there. Um, what do you guys think? I, I mean, do we go? Do we do a a, a sort of Valar only season one?
0: Ah, that's such a good question. I wonder if okay. So so here's here's the thing about a um. A Valar only season. I, I'm kind of leaning toward choice one right now. So much of of the Ainulindale and the Valar and sort of the Valar only content in the Silmarillion. I think one of the first major, like their focus, um, so much of, so much of the focus of that stuff, is the coming of the children, right? Like like that's really the thing they're pointed to throughout. Like yes. that that is the Major thing they are waiting for in 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 um, in all of that story, so I think that's the first major cliff like like that would be an appropriate first major cliffhanger. Um, you know maybe maybe for Joe Blow. Um, TV watcher, he's not quite going to get the the, the um, why this matters. <laughs> it may not seem like, you know, nobody's dying, nobody's being killed or anything. Although maybe they're chaining milk or that would be dramatic. So maybe it might be lost a little bit on the viewers. But to me, that seems like, I think in terms of story arc, that seems like an appropriate amount of content for season one. And it seems like the... The true to the spirit Somerillium place to end for season one, like that—that that is an important cliffhanger in the in the
1: um, yes, you know, like when you think about it. I agree with that, certainly. I mean, the having the having the awakening of the elves be the 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 climactic moment. Well, I see, I, you know, I say climactic. Um, that's the, the as you say the kind of cliffhanger moment, the climax. I mean, there is a dramatic cl- the chaining of Melkor, the the like War of Wrath Part One. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's true. Um, is a big deal. I mean, there's a war, so we can have an action packed finale um, with uh, with with the Valar coming and, and 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 taking out Morgoth. We can even include uh, some of the f- the the sort of f- Fun and somewhat more slapstick elements from the Book of Lost Tales version of that, if we want to. But, um, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, there's uh, that is to say, if we want to have something other than just like a you know a sort of a Jacksonian epic battle sequence, uh, you know, in that uh, in that last uh, climax. But anyway, um, we um, uh, we that does give us both a sort of a satisfying. Um, Action culmination, and not just action in the sense of having fighting and stuff happening on scene, but basically it, it, that would make the story of season one be the conflict among the Valar, right? It would be like Melkor versus you know Manwe and company yeah. would be the central plot theme. That certainly comes well out of this out of the Ainulindale, right? If we're starting with the Ainulindale, it really sets up Melkor and his conflict with the Valar, and through the Valar with the and it's a logical culmination of that um story, of the story that begins in the Ainolindele, um, to have that um come down to the chaining. Um and then again, then like we just have it. so you know the, the the final episode is primarily focused on the chaining of Melkor and the and the overthrow of Atomno. And then maybe you know like just like the final scene, we get a shot of the elves awakening yeah. at Quivienen. Yes. And then we don't bring, I like that. we don't bring Orme like in into. So then episode 1 of season 2 is Orme finding the elves at Crevienne. Right. Yes. Right.
0: Yeah, that to me I think would be a
1: perfect cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that. So, and, and
2: actually, Orame finding them, that now we're back to that, you know, how are the Valar going to look before they find the elves, and how are they going to look after? He's going to be our first one. So exactly. we'll see him actually change into a bipedal humanoid. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. 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 There, there'll, <laughs> there'll be that moment to see, you know, when Orame in his elemental, you know, I am the woodsman hunter form, uh, right. you know, shows up at Quivian, and then he's like, oh! Uh, excuse Oops, me, <laughs> right. my dad so, You know, he, he changes, <laughs> and he's like, "Hi, hey, let me, uh, let me s- slip <laughs> into something a little less intimidating here." Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, um, yeah, absolutely. So, so Philip Menzies, uh, um, I think, uh, brings up a, a, an interesting point, which I think we've we've already committed to this, but but it does bear some discussion. Another big question, comma cliffhangers uh right. I, I mean i kind of feel like i kind of feel like that's almost it's almost a requirement in modern television now right like mm-hmm. to get people to to get people to to be interested um to tune back in 9 months later when the show or 6 months later when the show airs again uh right. it's it seems virtual it seems virtually um required that you have some kind of cliff like people just expect it at this point Right,
1: right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think though the distinction that Philip is making here between a cliffhanger and a hook is, I think, yes. a good distinction. Oh, that's We true. don't need like, like a literal cliff. Oh, no, a literal cliff. Like <laughs> someone literally hanging off a cliff. Though that we could do that, of course, with myros and Fingon. But that's not what I mean. <laughs> what I mean is, um, it doesn't have to be that moment of like absolutely high suspense, right? It doesn't have to be like. True. Um, but but yeah, I mean, so like the, the I I think that he's right to say that the elves awakening at the end there is really more of a hook than a, than a than than an actual cliffhanger. Right. Um. But uh, but yeah, no, I mean I, I don't think we I, I don't think we need go out of our way to do something super suspenseful. In fact, notice the uh the the things we've already been talking about, right? The the two things we've already cited as things which would make good Season finales are things which are not cliffhangers in the in the in the classic sense,
2: right? In the Perils of Pauline sense, right?
1: <laughs> right. The cliffhanger. It's 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 you know. So like so, the things we we're, were the 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 War of the Powers, right? The the chaining of Melkor and the burning of the ships are the two things that we cited. Um, the burning of the ships isn't a cliffhanger right i mean there is uncertainty like what's going to happen to Fingolfin and his people on the other side right and if we if we get a shot of them looking over and seeing the the sky aglow and uh you know have uh you know uh like turgon be all like you know well shoot who didn't see that coming you know or whatever anyway so um th- there's there's it's a hook but it's not it's not a cliffhanger yeah um, yeah yeah it's sort of a satisfying ending. Anyway, yeah, no, I think that that's. Um, and a that's lot of the, times what shows
2: will do will give you a little teaser for the next season at the end of the first season.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: You know, there will be a little addition right at the end. Of-
1: yeah. Oh, we lost yours there for a second. Book. Um, right, right. Yeah, I agree. A, 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 a teaser at the end there is a great idea. Um, so I'm thinking um, we. Okay, I was gonna, what I was going to say, the other thing that I like about the Season 1 projection that we're doing here, the Valar-only Season 1, essentially, this will compel us to develop the characters of the Valar. And that, I think, is one of the first and most fun opportunities that we have in doing a Silmarillion adaptation. Um, we get so little of so many of the Valar... And I think fleshing them out and making them into characters that people are going to care about is going to have a, a huge impact for the whole series moving forward. If we can establish that at the beginning, and there's a sense, you can see, there's a sense in which in its own way the Silmarillion tries to do this, right? By putting the Valaquenta Quenta before the Quenta Silmarillion. Right, by giving us all that stuff. Here's a lot of detail about all of the different Valar, here's who they are and what they're like. Right. And so we get mm-hmm. that, you know, not attached to plot at the beginning because apparently, you know, uh, uh both Tolkien and Christopher, and you can hear you can see, by the way, uh Christopher didn't just make up the structure of the published Silmarillion. Um Tolkien outlined exactly that um in his uh in some of his letters. Like when he's writing letters in the sixties and he's telling people about the forthcoming stuff that he's working on as he's trying to put the Silmarillion in order, um he he, he describes exactly the groups the the groupings of the published Silmarillion, so starting with the Ainulindalë, then some background stuff on the Valar, and then the story of the Quintus Silmarillion, and, and then some stuff about Númenor, and then some more things about Celebrimbor and, 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 and the Rings of Power. Um, so that, was that, that outline is obviously Tolkien's own and not Christopher's idea. So again, Tolkien thought it was important for us to do this, and yet in the stories themselves, we don't get that much. So bringing in the Valaquenta, this seems like the, the, basically the perfect way to kind of bring the Valaquenta in. Uh, and I think that that's really, uh, I, th- I think that's really, neat. yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Brian Fattorini is reminding me of how uh, how much I, how much time I spent complaining in the Silmarillion seminar that uh, we got so little of Tolkas. Uh, so yes, yes, darn it! I want Tolkas to be a bigger character. Uh, <laughs> that's that's uh, uh, is that so wrong? You know, I mean, come on, you can do that. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I have all these good.
2: thoughts. I want you to really like acknowledge me for like. Keeping my tongue between my teeth because I have all these thoughts for how we do this and how we do that, and it's like no, 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 no. That's all season one stuff. So all season one stuff, exactly.
1: Right. right. So we can start. So, so yeah. So, so I, it sounds like we're agreed on that. Are we agreed on the Valar only up to the awakening? Yeah, Awakened I World? like
2: that. I think it's going to present some challenges when we dig into it, but I think it's, I think it's a worthy challenge. Okay. I do, I, I do think that's the right way to go.
1: Yeah, I think so. Now uh here's the other question and again we don't you know we don't have to f- we can decide to break it up and t- but who would you see as narrating this story would we have one oh, narrator d- does this sound like a one narrator season to you um i would actually i think i would say yes to that yes um, i think so I-, I can't see how we subdivide yeah. the no. material in this to give it to different narrators um
2: but I think whatever we come up with, narrator-wise, is going to have to fit with the larger narrator story. So,
1: yes, whose story would this seem to fit? And I don't mean that in the sense Del- of who's most likely to to know about it. I mean, you know, we're thinking about the narrators that we listed: Sam, Aragorn, uh, um, uh, Kelaborn. You know, it, it's it's. It, natural I think to say like well caliborn obviously right we want like the ancient elf to tell to tell this story but that's not necessarily true I mean any of the narrators can have access to any of these stories because they're at a point in the narrative where even Sam uh, you know where where, where where even Sam has been studying Bilbo's translations from from the elvish for years conceivably so true there's no reason why even sam wouldn't know this story and be able to tell it that of course doesn't mean that we have to give the story to him but um uh but um but i don't think it has to be um, you know, a, a couple of people asked Robert and 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 Yana. I don't think this has to be from a, a first person account. I do not think we need to restrict that. If we do that, we're never going to get Sam into the whole first age section of things. I don't think that we're go- that we want. You know, we might want to do it, but I think like if we do, Glorfindel narrating the fall of Gondolin or something like that. You know, as we talked about doing, I think that should be an exception, not the rule. Um. That should be like a fun cameo where he comes in. Um, in general, I mean, the stories are being either told to the narrators or told by the narrators to other people. Um, and to me, the biggest question on whom we assign to narrate a particular story is not who would be most likely to know it. Again, any of them could know it, but to whom is, is this story most relevant?
2: But I, I need to. I need to log. Uh
1: oh. We lost you again, Trish. We need
2: more Glorfindel, not less
1: Glorfindel. <laughs> more Glorfindel, not less <laughs> Glorfindel.
2: So, yeah, so I mean, like I was thinking, Glorfindel telling the story to a young Estelle in Rivendell, for example, could be possible. I mean, he was... wasn't there at the beginning, but like I guess he was there at the beginning. Anyway. I was thinking along
0: similar lines to that, Trish. Except I, I don't know why, and and this is I'm just adding needless complication here. But for some reason, my brain really immediately went to Elrond for this.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking Elrond too. Except he, well, and he he would obviously know the story, of course, because he's such a scholar. I was thinking, but then of course I was thinking Glorfindel because Elrond's you know yeah. so ubiquitous and. My got to get my boyfriend. In well, there somewhere. it's just <laughs> this, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> this.
0: I don't know. This is this is kind of an epic. This is a very epic, you know, chapter of the story. Uh, that's I don't know. It just it felt similar to the mode of of Elrond telling telling you know like the history of the Ring, for example.
2: I was thinking actually, Shark Cardoza said this. You know, a Hall of Fire context. Where Bilbo could be in the room, Glorfindel could be in the room, Elrond could be in the room. In fact, Glorfindel – I mean different elves in the Hall of Fire could take different parts of the story oh. as long as that fits what you're going to do generally. Daniel – And then the other thing is you know, I thought Glorfindel could visit Sam and tell the story. That way we get Sam in and Corey's happy.
1: <laughs> Dan- <laughs> well, no. Sam doesn't have to go into here though.
2: That's true. He just needs to be a part of the narrator story. A arc, lot of though. people are right. saying
0: why not Gandalf? Do we want
2: Karen
1: Gandalf as a narrator?
0: Uh, it, it would be uh it would be good, it would be good fan service, right? To, to, uh, to a it public. Would be. That's...
2: Yeah. And he would still be around actually, because, you know, if say for example, we're going to start late through yeah, age.
1: But, uh, I don't want eyewitnesses. This needn't be an eyewitness thing. I think the Ina Wendellay is the last right. thing in the yeah, entire right. series that we need an eyewitness <laughs> account. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Rebecca this, says,
2: Bombadil this, to Farmer Maggot.
1: Awesome! <laughs> yeah, Bombadil the Farmer Maggot, exactly. Um, I, but no, we couldn't do we couldn't do Tom but, Bombadil as a narrator because then the whole thing would have to be done in trochaic heptameter, <laughs> and we he not up to that. Uh, I just am going to tell you right now, I'm not up to that.
0: But, uh, so
1: the actually, but, um, actually,
0: on that point, though, for both Bombadil and, and Gandalf, I think you're right, Corey. We don't know. It, it does. It would seem more appropriate that this be told not. Not as a recount of events experienced, but rather as a as a tale passed down of sort of yes. as far as we know and well, believe and, this is what happened. But honestly,
1: who knows?
2: This and what, is- what about it being Bilbo in Rivendell gathering this information from the elves there?
1: But 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 we weren't gonna do Bilbo. We're going to do Bill, but we're going to do Sam. I want to make sure that we stick to the story of our narrators. We're yeah, already losing yet. sight of we, the main thing you decided, Sam and in <laughs> Which no, 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 no. see, we're shoehorning people in. Okay, no, wait, know. stop. Forget, for, for, forget, forget this question. Let's wait, this, table yeah. this question for a second and let's yeah, think okay. of something else first. The <laughs> other thing that we need to think in order to in order to be able to answer this question. Go back to our narrators. We said we want to we want to develop the stories of our narrators. What are going to be the stories of our narrators? Exactly, map that out. Okay, so with Aragorn from the beginning, we've been suggesting that we're going to be looking at more of the like overarching life story of Aragorn. So we're going to start with like young Aragorn in Rivendell, potentially like adolescent Aragorn in Rivendell. I like that. I like. And and then so then we can have uh, scenes with Gil Ryan and we can have scenes with him being instructed by Elrond we can have you know so we can have him gaining wisdom from various people in right. various contexts as he goes through and then so 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 basically we need to be thinking plot arc plot arc of the Aragorn story goes basically sort of through his life from from youth through his discovery right. of his heritage through right. his uh, you know, his his sort of time engaged with Arwen, but, like, setting out to uh, to sort of make his mark and, and do his thing. Um, we could come in and visit him. Uh, 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 thorongil Yeah, dur- during the thorongil period, you know, the Adventures of Young Aragorn spinoff series. We could do, um, a- and then culminating with him as king. Uh, and, right. And, uh, so it, it seems to me the logical, like, the final scene for Aragorn would be the deathbed scene with Arwen. Right? Mm -hmm. Right. And in Um, fact,
2: you know, we could even, we could even. Have sort of life in Gondor as part of the narrator's sequence, where when he's older and, and instructing his son to be taking over the throne, yes. I mean, there's that. Yes. The story mm-hmm. of Numenor could come into that. Yes.
1: Well, um, no, the story of the Lord of the Rings comes in. There. Ah, the mm-hmm. story of
2: Lord of the Rings. Right. Right.
1: right. So so we can. No, you, know, Mary so again, you know,
2: Mary visited Gondor, right? Mary could even be involved in
1: some of the. Clips. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. no, exactly. Yeah, we, yeah, we could have like the elderly Pippin, you know, as. <laughs> yes. coming and taking part in some of those stories. Yeah. That that, that that would be great so, that would be
0: great so are you making a case I for really this like is that. a this is an aragorn story
1: well that i got to tell you my my early vote uh, with, before we thought through the other character arcs, my early vote would be adolescent uh, Aragorn learning this lesson from Elrond yeah. before he learns his own heritage.
0: I, yeah, I, right?
1: just I, part I, of his general education I, in Rivendell.
0: I agree, because because uh, my my early bias now, um, having thought listened to that and thought through, is uh, that in a lot of ways the 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 story of the men of Numenor. Um and their relationship with the with the, you know, often contentious relationship with the um, the Valar, I think is actually probably one of maybe one of the most important stories that uh can be told in this dual dual format of of showing the events of the Silmarillion and then showing the life arc of, let's say, Aragorn, right? Like like right that there's sort of a rise and fall and redemption of, of the men of Numenor um, represented yes. in, in this story. So, so in a lot of ways, I, this is to me, Aragorn is, is the, is I think the most clear candidate for this. And Timothy saying, but elf should tell valor story. Yes. But, but Aragorn is a recipient of both those heritages. Yes,
1: exactly. And, it, it is and, relevant you know,
2: I think it's really awesome because this, Narrator story then gives some background as to how Aragorn arrives to the man we come to know in Lord of the Rings. Yes. You know, we have a rich, rich, rich like mother load to pull from here, and it gives us like, okay, we see where he's come from through this whole story, because for example, you know, the stories of the, and I would say even maybe start with him maybe early adolescence, you know, like 12-ish or though with this story, and then working him through that. But I mean, then he'll be telling stories too later in later seasons of kind of cautionary tales to his men perhaps, or, you know, rangers sitting around a campfire uh, while orcs run around in the background. Sorry, that was a Lotro reference, but... um, um <laughs> I just think it has a lot, and yeah. it's a character people know, and there's, yes. I think just has a lot of possibilities to it.
1: Yeah, and and I agree. You know, Kate Neville is saying, you know, that sort of the overarching narrator um, arc <laughs> might might be through Aragorn. I, I I would say my my sense right now from all the conversations we've had about the narrators is that Aragorn, the Aragorn frame, will be our like lead frame, our dominant frame yeah. for the whole, whole series. We will have these appearances by others. I do want to get Sam in. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting Absolutely. to get Celeborn in. It would be right. interesting to have some of these cameos. Maybe maybe Legolas and or Gimli serve as one of the kind of cameos that we're doing, right. um, that we incorporate into one of these three other frames. Um, I like the Aragorn, Sam, Kelleborn as the three dominant ones, because then we do get, you know, human, elf, and, uh, and hobbit. Uh, for frameworks, um, which gives us some, some interesting sort of possibilities. Though as, you know, several people have said, you know, as Lynn Munro was just saying, you know, Aragorn is the culmination of the story of Valar Elves and Men. Um, so it's they're all relevant to him. Yeah. I certainly don't think we need to stick to a pure Elvish context for purely Elvish stories, uh, or else, again, we're never going to see anybody else for uh, big chunks of, of the <laughs> So, uh, But um, Marielle is absolutely right that we need to choose sort of the theme of the first season before we absolutely tie it we don 't need to completely um, uh, make this decision right now' I, let's let let's, 's so let's pause for a second and think about the other narrator arcs um, if if it 's sort of the overall if Aragorn is kind of the longest story in the sense that we 're going to get his whole maturation coming of age um, it 's such a it 's such a great opportunity, um, especially given that we know Aragorn. His understanding of Middle-earth and the history of Middle-earth and what's happening in Middle-earth um, is progressive, right? From starting off in, uh, with, with knowledge, but with ignorance of his own role and his own, his own, um, his own status uh, in his early youth in Rivendell then through the times when he's gaining experience and he's learning by experience what Middle-earth is like and sort of coming to sort of apply and form his own place within these stories during the middle part of his life and then, you know, ruling as a king and sort of bringing these things together and reflecting on them in later life. Lots of opportunity there. Um, But um, the others seem to me sort of narrower in the sense of we're not going to tell i mean i don't we're not going to start with like young sam i don't think though we could conceivably do you know have so let's think about sam as our as a as as the narrator arc here with sam um it's possible that we could do a you know it wouldn't be as long as aragorn's trajectory. Um, but we could do a young Sam hearing stories from old Mr. Bilbo, right? Hearing stories about the elves sailing, sailing, sailing away and leaving us, right? Um, we could get that kind, you know, so that we can see the seeds of his love for things elvish, you know, sown in the hearts of young Sam Gamgee. That's one possibility. Um, we could also make Sam's m- sort of a little bit more static. That is, we could have. Um, Sam's narrator arc take place entirely from the final chapters of The Lord of the Rings forward. Basically his time in the Shire um, as mayor and um, we could basically use Sam's story as an opportunity to develop a little bit the story of the Shire in the beginning of the Fourth Age. From the little glimpses that we get of it, um, and so have him applying some of these stories both not not just to his own family and his own kids as we were joking about earlier um, but even to sort of the affairs of the affairs of the shire in general you know from his forty nine years as mayor um, but uh, anyway anyway that's um
2: th- now, Brian asked a story, asked a question of how long are we thinking of these episodes? And I mean, generally, I think we're taking thinking about hour-long episodes. Hour-long like episodes, two, yeah. Two-hour specials. Yeah. You know, oftentimes, like the like the premiere episode would probably be a two-hour episode, right. um, and occasionally there will be two-hour episodes, but generally, it'd be one-hour episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and yeah. that's this is another point too about where we stop seasons. If with this narrator story. That's screen time that's being taken up by the narrator story, so that's less of the actual Silmarillion story we can tell. Right. So best to, best to keep our seasons stopping earlier in the story in terms. Right,
1: of- right, yes, saving more time. What do you guys think about those two Sam options? About doing the post, having his narrator story be essentially entirely post Frodo, even beginning yeah. at the Grey Havens, conceivably. Or- that would
2: be a great one. I was thinking because I was thinking with the thing we're talking about. Well, the thing we're talking about with Aragorn, which I'm in love with because it's the hero's journey. Everybody knows him. It's Mm -hmm. he's very popular, all that stuff. But it makes Sam come in later in the story, which I thought was afraid you might, you know, not want. But I do agree. I mean, starting at the Grey Havens is a great idea. Or, um, or he could really take over at some point, telling the story. Oh, can you guys hear me? I'm having problems with my headset. Okay. Okay, um with the shire stuff that aragorn wouldn't necessarily know in detail you know i mean we could develop sam's story with you know ted sandyman and all that stuff at that point in the story so i mean i'm all i think that's a great idea i'm not sure how we'll weave that in at the time but you know i I
0: love i love philip's suggestion of of sam's story at some point covering some camp some political campaign (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right,
1: right. Yeah, <laughs> Sam. Yeah, one of the Sackville Bagginses runs up against him for mayor. Yeah, exactly. As part yeah. of his
2: campaign speech, right? Yes, <laughs> yeah. that'll be the that'll be the narration for that episode as he's doing a campaign speech.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know, the 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 possibilities of what, in fact, a Hobbit campaign for mayor. Speech would sound like, is it's actually a really interesting theoretical question. You know, um, I'm actually not convinced that anybody runs. I don't. I don't think anybody campaigns for mayor. In fact, that could be that could be part of the thing. Somebody just somebody else decides to run for mayor, yeah. and everyone's like, "What do you mean you're you, you're trying to convince me to vote?" For, you know, th- a that, huge that whole idea. Bomb. Right. Exactly. Right. Would be. Would be a, would be as alien to them as it is, you know, when uh, when Farmer Cotton says of says of Lotho, you know, uh, he already seemed to own a, a great deal more than was good for him. Right? the idea of somebody trying to buy up lots and lots of property is a strange, crazy idea to to the hobbits, right? That's just not how you normally act. Uh, so similarly, running for office would be a similarly kind of countercultural move. And Sam responding to that, you know, and being like, uh, "I'm not going to make a speech anyway." Lots of fun opportunities there. So, okay, so so should we say then provisionally that we start Sam at the Gray Havens and move him forward ultimately to getting on his own boat? Yeah. You yeah. Final episode. I'm
0: trying to think if there's is there any post um, is there any is there any material. From the 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 Lord of the Rings sort of conclusion, predating the Grey Havens that that we would want to cover, like like um, his Sam's wedding, forestry work, yeah, his wedding, his his rebuilding of the Shire, forestry work, his um uh his you know living at home with Frodo for a few years,
1: what right? Think well, you know that stuff is covered so briefly <clears throat> in the last chapter. Um, it would um, it would be um, perfectly fair to include that within and, this period.
0: And actually, I guess technically, um, technically, it's maybe not an either-or choice because um, we can always cover this at the end of the actual series.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. It doesn't yeah, actually no, need to be part
0: of the frame. It can actually be part yeah. of the the I don't <laughs> the non-frame story.
1: Right, because by that time, then, we could have an elderly Sam telling stories to his grandchildren about what happened in the Scouring of the Shire and afterwards, and, you know, the beginning mm-hmm. of his mayoralty and all that kind of thing. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so... Um, but we could start the frame... Okay, so we could start the frame at the Grey Havens. We could start the frame with basically, like, the day after the Battle of Bywater, mm-hmm. essentially. Um... You know, so we we would have the you know we could have the culmination of of the scouring of the Shire and then begin his story right after that. Really, I mean, the question here is going to be, what Sam's first story going to be? You know, yeah. Um, who's going to you know? Right. That's going to I think define where exactly in this frame we start him. But okay, but if we if we think generally, we're going to have, uh, in general terms, post Lord of the Rings, Sam is going to be his story. So we've got the. Coming of age of Aragorn and you know the entire, as you say, journey of the hero, uh, Trish, uh, for Aragorn. That's his plot arc. Um, right. Sam is going to be um, sort of the, in essence, the. And this is such a dangerous phrase, but like the the establishment of the new order basically is going to be his. You know what Sam is going to be. We're going to be looking at how the Shire is because there's there's a major change brought into in, into the Shire. We think about the way in which we already see changes in the shire coming between the hobbit and the lord of the rings um you know how how different hobbit perspective not everyone's perspective of course but how we have this uh, you know bilbo has made <clears throat> at least among a more significant um subculture of hobbits he has made adventures fashionable again you know we we have uh, uh you know frodo and all of his cousins and friends and and there's this there's this whole subculture which is more interested in adventure and more interested in the outside world and then we think about the effect that the return of the travellers and their outlandish garb has and the impact the cultural impact that having Pippin and Merry with their experiences and their connections to the outside world as the heads of their major families <clears throat> Sam and Eleanor and you know their connections with the court of uh, of 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 Alessar when he comes into the north and you know the meeting at the gates of the Brandywine bridge and all of that stuff that we hear about happening The Shire is going to have a major cultural shift as it goes from being a very pleasant little cultural backwater, which is basically what it is. I know it sounds like a terrible way to describe the Shire, doesn't it? But that's kind of what it is at the beginning, Um, people who are really out of touch with what's going on in the outside world and don't want anything to do with it, to a shire which under the gu- under the leadership of Sam Marion and Pippin is in fact going to be brought into contact with the outside world and uh, and into familiarity at the very least with the outside world um and so that shift that's a that's a major shift and it would be interesting to sort of see how we could um uh, we, you know, Sam's job is going to be to keep alive the memory of 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 things that were right. You know, with the passing down of the red book. Um, so again, the way that that kind of knowledge, that kind of wisdom, gets incorporated into Shire culture through the influence of Sam, that seems to me to be this kind of the dominant theme of where we could go with Sam's uh, with Sam's narrator plot arc and what we could kind of come back to, um, where sort of the drama of Sam's narrator plot is. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. All right. Okay, so we'll start him there. Celeborn. We were talking about Kel- Ke- Celeborn in, Riv- in Rivendell after Elrond leaves. The most bold and daring thing to do with Celeborn would be just to start him there. So, like, Galadriel never shows up in his frame. Fine with me. <laughs> you, 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 you want to be shut of Gabrielle, do you? <laughs> She's
2: overexposed. That girl is. I mean, jeez, Louise.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Gabrielle says that uh, the elves, the elves fading, should be hit, the overall sort of theme. And and but, Gabrielle, that's a great. I, that's a great suggestion. That's a really smart suggestion. Um, because, of course, it's a that's a dominant theme, obviously, uh, in Tolkien's work in general, in The Lord of the Rings in particular, and Silmarillion, so of course. So, um, having Celeborn being essentially sort of the spokesperson-slash-representative of the elves in the Fourth Age, and what the fading of the elves means, and um, especially since um, especially since <sighs> Kel, we can also show Kelliborn as essentially resisting that. I mean, he stayed; he didn't go. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess he was probably invited on that ship, right? I don't think Galadriel was like, "Honey, why don't you stay here," right? I honestly don't think that was the case. It, it, it seems likeliest to me that Kelleborn was like, "I'm not ready to leave yet. You go ahead; I'll catch up." You know, we'll only be apart for a few centuries or whatever; we'll barely notice. But um, I would like
2: to think that that was the case.
1: I would. I mean, I can't imagine that uh, she was like, "Sorry, dear, you will have to take the next ship. You are uh, you're not right. a VIP." Um, but um, uh, I think we can have him so that basically the the plot line of Kelliborn's um, uh, arc could be basically him overcoming his resistance to fading. He can be the spokesperson of the elves who don't want to go. Um, who who are trying to hold on to the heritage of the elves, um, and to the whole that, that 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 dominant theme of the elves in the third age of Middle Earth of trying to retain the past, trying to preserve, which is a good thing, but also a bad thing. <clears throat> it's also what leads the elves into temptation. It's why like the way in which the three elven rings of power are both like a good thing and a bad thing. Um, and we can have him representing that viewpoint to say, no, I want to stay in Middle Earth. I'm not going to fade, I'm not going to go gently, and then eventually have him have the sort of storytelling um, in within his narrative, uh, within his narrator role, bring him to the place where he agrees and is comfortable with, with departing. And then, you know, maybe we even put him on the same ship. No reason we can't. Let's put him on the same ship. He and Sam could sail off together at the end. Um And, heck, I was mentioning to Trish before, I'd even be happy to put Legos and Gimli on the same ship. I know they didn't sail on the same ship, but we could. I think that makes sense. Um, You know, put Sam, Legos, Gimli, Celeborn all in the same boat and have them take (laughs) off. that's the final closure.
0: And then we do a a spin-off
1: sitcom. <laughs> Celeborn, Sam, Legolas, and Gimli on board the ship. Yeah, <laughs> Stays- they're just,
0: said It gets off. It gets off course, and they end up just kind of wandering <laughs> around in the. <laughs>
1: what was meant to be a three-hour tour, only in fact. Snowwing <laughs> yeah, comes
2: yes. flying by in her bird form.
1: Yes, Caliborn's Island. Robert says exactly. Yeah. Yep. Caliborn, yep. Yeah. Lots of possibilities there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, so I think that would, that would, so where do we, so, so, so we start him in Rivendell after the ship has sailed, so maybe his first scene would have to be perhaps somebody bringing him tidings that the ship has sailed, and he's like, yeah, I know, um, yeah, so his, his story Of all the ones we've described, you know, of the three we've described, his story is the least eventful, as it seems like what he's actually going to be doing is sitting around in Rivendell talking to (laughs) to people, you know, to other elves, uh, and possibly meeting occasionally. You know, he might... uh, Aragorn might stop by Rivendell to visit him. You know, he he might encounter some of the... Presumably the hobbits would stop by. You know, Merry and Pippin go to Rohan and Gondor. Presumably they would stop by in Rivendell on the way.
2: You think he would leave Rivendell? Would he go elsewhere? Would he go to Gondor? Or to Fornost or where no Enuminous is where I'm uh, thinking
1: no. I'm thinking I mean again if if the story of Celeborn we're gonna tell is one of him resisting fading, I'm thinking he like stays in his little Elvish conclave. Yeah. Basically, you know, like yeah. he he tries to make of Rivendell to sort of follow the work that, that Elrond did in Rivendell with the Ring of Power, with Vilya And says like, no, I'm going to I'm going to make so the rest of the elves can fade if they want, but I'm going to make Rivendell into this little like time-proof elf capsule, and uh, and we're going to keep the elder days alive right here in Images and that's it.
2: Carita says we can have a nice long scene of him saying goodbye to his favorite trees.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's
2: that's totally the problem with an elf, you (laughs) know, because you know with good storytelling, there's a character arc, you know, so the character Mm -hmm. changes over the arc of the story. With an elf, that is not easy to do.
1: Right, or at least you have Especially to have, in a like, short
2: space of time. A know?
1: short space of time, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Well, I no, that, that, But that's why I think that's the kind of care of of character development that we do see in elves. I mean, there's Gladriel does that. I mean, we see we see Galadriel's story changing from, like, I want to set up and rule a kingdom of my own to, actually, I'd quite like Right, but over
2: thousands of years, right? Yeah, I mean, of course. At of if course. Calibor's Kel- Kel- time in Riverdale is, what, going to be a few hundred, maybe?
1: Right, yeah. That's okay. That's, that's fine. from
2: to brush his teeth and like, you
1: know... <laughs> it's fine. I mean... It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> it's uh, going to be awesome. But, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 Trish, I do think... Essentially, we capture that element of sort of Elvish, comparative Elvish changelessness yeah. by having him always in the same setting, right? You know, That's he's true. the one where, point. you know, we, we, we get Sam all over the Shire and going here and doing things and interacting with people. We get Aragorn growing and being all over, you know, Middle-earth, you know, all over Ariador and everywhere else. And here's Celeborn. Every time we come back, there he is in Rivendell, like, right. same room. You know? Again, let's
2: like Elrond in his library, it's always there. That's right, count exactly. On. Standing you next know. to the
1: same table. Um, the so same yeah, table. it's uh, it's it's, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that we can we can we can kind of convey that. So I, I like that. Um, uh, 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 Gabrielle, that was a great suggestion for Kaliphorn's story. I absolutely love that idea. Um, Okay, Fading of the L.. Karina's
2: <laughs> Corina, and... on a roll. Another nice long scene of him rearranging furniture.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: There's the change arc. There's a character change story. Oh, and yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. And he's standing there with his like defiant expression on his face, like, that's right. I moved Elrond's chair over there. See, <laughs> I am not bound by tradition, my friend. Like, I am breaking the mold. I am. I am wild and crazy. Somebody hold me back. <laughs> I'm going to repaint if you don't stop me. You know? <laughs> it's, absolutely. Absolutely. It's <laughs> the life of the Eldar. Absolutely. Um, okay. Good. Okay, so given that, given that, I still say we have to give season one to Aragorn. Um, but looking ahead briefly, looking ahead briefly, where can you think? Do any stories jump out at you that we might want to give to Sam and as Sam and Caliborn's first stories?
2: That's a good question.
1: <laughs> Brian Federini says he he will die on the hill of Sam tells the Ino Linda way. Um, <laughs> Okay, you know Brian, let 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 me throw you this possibility. We can come back to this and discuss this in season 1. I I I'll be happy to open this as a question when we're actually talking about the island holiday episode. I would be open to the idea. Since the island is going to be different, I mean there's no way that we can't make the island holiday different in some way. Having the island told by a separate um by a separate narrator from the rest of season 1, I could get behind that. Um and then we use that shift in na- from one narrator story to another as the way to signal the now we're going to be telling the story in a quite different way than we were in the island Wendell- if we decide to to do that um so I'll, I'll 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 you know i'm i'm willing to consider that as a possibility
2: so are we going to intertwine the three narrators Throughout the series, and somehow be able to show the audience that we're doing different times in the in the in the you know third and fourth ages.
1: Uh, i had
2: been we were going to follow Aragorn through, and then pick up Sam, and then pick up Celeborn which makes Aragorn's really long, Sam's short, and Celeborn shorter in terms of their.
1: Yeah, no, is. I don't think so. I think we're going to have to just be inconsistent there. Um, yep.
2: So somehow we're going to have to come up with a way to, to get the audience grounded in whatever whichever right. time frame right.
1: we're. And I think about. that I think that the way we do that is uh, we can really hokey um, subtitles. Really hokey subtitles. Yes, uh, with play, like one of those place and date subtitles, right? The Shire. Oh yeah,
2: in in, in, yeah, in like
1: computer computer type. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Typewriter type. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. Uh, yep, Something like that. I, yeah, exactly. I
2: st- I'm really attached to, but of course I will have to give it up if, you know, if if it doesn't if it doesn't fly to the Estelle being told stories in Rivendell for the Ainu And it could be different elves tearing, telling different parts of the story.
1: Yeah, I agree. Well, let's come back to that when we argue about the Ainu We have yeah. so much to argue about the Ainu we'll just throw that on the heap. Um, but, uh, but but anyways, I'm willing to I'm, I'm willing to keep that open. I, I still think in general, season one, at the very least, the bulk of season one yeah. has got to be has got to be you know the Rivendell classroom with 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 young S-
2: Estel. Well. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I mean, no there can be a story out of that. There can be some something that Estelle learns as a result, or you know, yes. I mean, some growth or change in him as a young man as a result of hearing parts. Of the story as we go right, and
1: and that is something we can be thinking about in episode one of season one when we right. map out in detail the, right. the you know episode by episode outline of of season one, um, you know <laughs> what is going to be the progressive story and therefore how are we going to bring this back to Aragorn when we get towards the end there, um, mm-hmm. but, um, but but yeah I, okay I, I th- so
0: I think that's a I think that's a fine place to leave things um, um... right I agree to yeah. uh, for that with that topic yeah yeah to to um to to just you know lay out like bulk of season to be told by aragorn but 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 we can we can uh, consider the lay up for grabs potentially Oh, i know, like philips
1: like... idea
2: that that actually the audience doesn't, doesn't we don't actually specifically say that estella's aragorn right at least at the beginning which i think is awesome because right. then only certain people will know that
1: yeah, exactly. All the, <clears throat> all the you know, all the Tolkien geeks will be excited and know what right. know what we're talking about. But uh, um, but then it will be kind of a reveal. I mean, in fact, maybe that could be a reveal that happens at the end of uh, season one. Of course, you know, social media will spoil it. But that's well, of to... course, it's not. It's not. not going to really be a secret. But um, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So okay. So uh, all right. So but but but. Going back to my other question, though, kind of glancing ahead, thinking ahead to the stories, like, from season two and forward, um, I think we don't start Celeborn until we get to Beleriand. Oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, you know, I think Celeborn could... Do, I mean, he's the obvious uh, that's, candidate. He wasn't
2: in Valinor, was he? I mean, he he's... wasn't.
1: He wasn't. Yeah. But again, there will be other, could be that's Noldor true. still that's there, true. right, that's telling true. him the story. Um, but but the the... I mean, it's a, it would be a little bit cliche to be like, give him the Doriath stuff, you know, give him the Beleriand stuff, but like the Grey Elf perspective, I mean, if we're going with the version, and I'm inclined to, because it's the Lord of the Rings version, if we go with the version of the Galadriel and Kelleborn story that has Celeborn as a Doriath elf... Um, you know, doing, uh, do yeah, yeah, Brian is thinking the Noldor arriving uh, in Beleriand. That's, that's that's what, I was, what I was thinking. It's the end yeah.
2: of season two. You're talking about, yeah. yeah. that What you're saying? Yeah, or like, yeah, in, or he starts oh, off of season three. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking
1: as well. Um, so but, that would uh, include?
2: Would that include the kinslaying, or no?
1: No, 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 no. After that, like, the the arrival in Beleriand is where I would think about bringing him in. Oh, but, got it, got it, got it. Okay. All right. Um, All right. Though, I mean, conceivably, we could get him in on the kinslaying as well. I mean, he could be, he could be part of that, I suppose. That, that could be him. But I'm not sure. How about Sam? Any of these stories that sort of jump out, out at you for uh, Sam's first story? Could I'm we... wondering if we have
2: Sam come along when the men
1: show up. But the Although Sam are, loves elves, he loves. Sam elves, does love he? elves. Sam I, does. I do think having an elf story for Sam yeah. at the start. What about? Uh,
0: what about then? Um, Sam starts off season two.
1: Um, right, with with the bliss of Valinor. Yeah, And yeah, the, the awakening exactly. of the elves. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Oh, oh okay. yeah, yeah. So so the oh, story yeah. of the journey to Valinor is Sam's. The, the elves sailing, sailing, sailing away and leaving us. Right there we go. That's the first story he tells. Yeah, yeah love it. That's a good one. Um, and then we can decide whether or not we want to have Sam narrate all the way through the the, un- the rest we... of the val- of the Noldor and Slay and the kinslaying, or whether we shift to Celeborn or or back to Aragorn or something. It seems but... like
2: we w- once we inter- uh, when we introduce a new narrator, it seems like the other narrators still need to show up sometime during the season. With their stories
1: especially Aragorn it's going to be hard to do a totally non Aragorn season yeah, the yeah. Way that were yeah. Way that we're going. But, but I, of course, might... by the
2: same time Sam tells the story, well, so let's uh, it's gonna, uh, We'll have to worry about
1: that when we get to Well, it. wait, we haven't decided where season two is going to end. Let's talk about that quick, and then we can come back to the narrators here. If season two begins back in Quivian and in episode one is Orome finding the elves right. uh, at Queevianen and inviting them back, and so then we do the invitation back to Valinor. Where do we stop? Do we, do we just do the. Do we stop? I mean, okay, one possibility would be to stop at the arrival in Valinor. Right, just have the whole season be their journey and the decision of the Valar to bring them over and them going over and stuff that happens along the way. We could do that, or we could end the first season with the unchaining of Melkor. Right, I bring them that... over into Valinor, have a bunch of the bliss of Valinor, and then we unchain Melkor. The danger there is that there's not much in the way of conflict or anything. You're not much in the well, way. I think of...
2: we unchain him and get him started with his poisoning of the elf's thoughts before we stop the season. Don't you think? Right, right. That what, um, what we end with is some kind of like, trouble, you know, which would be Melkor's... We could
1: tattoos. end with the forging of the Silmarils. Ooh. So we already like have him that. out there, right? We have the lies of Melkor being spread among the Noldor.
2: Right.
1: And the forging of the Silmarils.
2: And the fact that we see that Melkor is coveting them big time.
1: Right, yeah. exactly. Or we yeah. could go season two all the way through the burning of the ships.
2: No, because I think we've got the narrator story, remember, so we want to make sure that we're leaving enough room for that as well. I think Burning of the Ships would be...
1: It's a lot.
2: It's a lot. Now, can we stop just short of the Burning of the Ships and have the Burning of the Ships happen in the beginning of Season 2? Or have it be like we in can the middle stop of the Burning the of the Ships? Hmm.
1: I like the Burning of the Ships better. Think about all of the things. I mean, if you really stop and think about all of the different steps um, with the unrest of the Noldor... You've got the forging of the Silmarils, and then you've got the, the, the growing tensions among them, Feanor starting to make weapons in secret. You've got the tension between Fingolfin right. and Fe- Feanor, which could be played really well in a TV series, right? The right. The, the growing factionalization oh, of yeah, Feanor, definitely. the yeah. brother thing, right? The daddy issues with Dad. Feanor the yeah. banishment of fanor and the setting up of of his treasuries uh, up there then morgoth uh, er, melkor still not morgoth yet uh coming in we have uh, you know leading up to the the, or, darkening the of the, Valinor earth, and, the
2: of Feanor would be in here too right this yes the, the
1: darkening of valinor, valinor the oath of Feanor, the the his speech to the people the in of Tyrion to get them to leave the kinslaying the journey after the kinslaying uh the doom of mandos right, right. and then oh the burning gosh. of the ships there's a lot do you, to do that's there. a lot yeah that's
2: a lot
0: so wait did we 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 rejected the notion of the, of season two is the journey is is entirely the journey. Uh, to...
1: No, I'm, we're, I'm just articulating options. And, and... Now the
2: end of season two could be uh, Morga, um, Melkor, resting the Silmarils, killing Finway and resting the Silmarils. That could be where season
1: two ends, right? I mean, True. Yeah, the death oh. of Finway, Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah that. That's kind of cool.
2: Because because everything else after that, like you said, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, everything else after that could almost be a season.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. I, I think I think I um, think yes, I think I think the the death of Finway would be nice because it would be, end on tragedy and uncertainty. I mean, not for anyone who's oh, read and the F- books.
2: Fandor goes around the bend at that point, right? I mean, he really yeah. goes. But, for,
0: yes,
1: but for anybody the, yeah, who... yeah, that, that that's the theme of season three, right? Th- season three is like the now fanor is over the bend because Fandor, because yeah. Fandor is yeah, because By Finway way, is dead.
0: Yeah. Does, does that mean season 3? Very centric. Does that mean season 3 would then in, in this line of reasoning season 3 would end with, with the death of Fëanor?
2: I'm thinking so. Would that does that make logical sense? What what happens in that space?
0: Well, if we uh,
2: It's actually relatively short though. There's not a or lot Or do
0: you want to kill him off early
1: in the season?
2: Mid-season, like a mid-season. Well,
1: climate. that's kind of that's how it happens in the book. I mean, yeah. his his death is not climactic in yeah. the book. It's
2: really, what his sons do with it after his death? Yes, yeah. yeah. Um,
1: but hang on a second. Hang on a second. If we go back to go back to see, so season two for, for 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 a minute, this means. I just want to make sure we're understanding the implications of this. If we're talking about the death of Finway, we're talking about the darkening of Valinor. Right. It's the, so oh,
2: right.
1: The darkening of Valinor. That's because that happens at the time of the darkening of Valinor. So. We'd have to go through the Darkening, and the Darkening, and then, fi- and then ultimately the death of Finwë um, right. would, be, would be the... the and now, the Darkening of Valinor is a perfectly acceptable season finale, goodness knows.
2: Especially since we spent all season of one with the Valar, so we'd definitely right. have empathy with them.
1: It oh, would okay. mean...
2: so, so you don't want to
0: even go to the death of Finwë, you want to end with just the, the light disappearing.
1: Well, the death of Finway can be incorporated in that. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm suddenly imagining this, like, uh, the, uh, the end of the, uh, of the season finale episode, where we end with, like, these shots of various things, like the end of The Godfather, right? With, like, uh, you know, Finway being killed, and, 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 you know, Morgoth and Ungoliant escaping, and the, um yeah, I don't know. But um yeah, Feanor grieving Gabrielle absolutely.
2: I do too. I mean, I totally see that. Yeah. Cuz it sets it up it sets up the next season what the next season's going to be focused on.
1: What that would mean and I like this. What that would mean is that the theme of season 2, the the, the arc of season 2 would be the bliss of Valinor. From mm-hmm. the elves being invited over to it to spending a little bit but not much screen time there because as we all know bliss is boring. Um <laughs> to uh to the unchaining of melkor and the rising of dissension and then finally up to the darkening we don't get all through the the, the you know the, the the full unrest of the noldor and and the the departure and everything we save that for season 3 yeah i um, agree i think that's a great idea but so, yeah, yeah so th- that makes sense from the invitation to valinor to the darkening of valinor is really the story of like the new tide of valinor basically mm-hmm. and that makes a lot of sense
2: mm-hmm.
1: you like that dave I think so. Okay. You
2: on board? Okay. All right. I'm, a,
0: okay, I'm on so board we... with that, and that seems, I think, content-wise. I, initially, I was, I kind of liked. it. I thought it was a fun idea to do season. Season two was just traveling to Valnor, and then end with them arriving. But I know, <laughs> probably not enough content. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but but I think, think going think all the way... Think of how
2: much
1: way... material we'd have to just make up to do that. I mean, we'll yeah, still think...
2: have our one episode of just Melian and Thingol. You yes.
1: know, oh, yeah. In, yeah yes. too. Of course. Yeah. yeah. five think... minutes of the two of them standing there right. doing nothing. Yeah. I think
0: coming yeah. coming, coming um, all the way to Valinor and then all the way back to Middle-earth again is probably too much. Too and much, we're, we're gonna, yes. We're going to rush over some stuff. So, so ending with the Darkening of Valinor... Um, uh, that that I think is another. That's I guess that's the next milestone Really, the next milestone event, uh, right? Awakening of the elves, then the darkening yeah, of Valinor.
1: Yep. Yeah, <laughs> the darkening of Valinor. Yeah, yeah. And and with the focus on the story of the Noldor, it would be easy for us to overlook the fact that really, of all of the things that happened, the 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 the, the, the kinslaying and the burning of the ships, both pale in comparison to the darkening of Valinor as yes. like major epoch ending events of the first That's age. True. So in some sense it would seem kind of silly not to have it would seem kind of silly to have the darkening of Valinor happen in the middle of a season. Right? I mean like you know, that.
2: It, kind of closed, it, it kind of is a nice segue too because we're we're dealing with the with the Valar who of course we've been with all through season one. Yes. Through season two. And but the next season is gonna be Really more elf centric. And so, this this ending of Darkney Knight Valinor and the death of Finway, Morgoth taking off with, or Melkor taking off with the Silmarils, is a great way to segue into okay, next season's going to be an elf. More an elf
1: story. Absolutely, that's the exactly the moment yeah. in the Silmarillion when the Valar really take a back seat and they right. cease to be. Right. Um, not, I, my argument certainly would be that they don't cease to be involved, but they right. do cease to be really featured. Front
2: center, they're not front center Absolutely. stage anymore. Yeah.
1: yeah. So then, season three focuses on Feanor and the unrest, and we definitely do the kin slaying, and we definitely do all that. So, so, so the well, the question was, do we culminate? At the death of of Feanor, do we culminate at the at the burning of the ships or the crossing of the Hellcaraxa? I kind of like the crossing of the Hellcaraxa to sort of make, though Feanor is the premise, I almost feel like it's giving him too much credit to.
2: Oh, that's true. He could die at the beginning the of season, season four,
1: actually. Yeah, the, yeah. The death of Feanor could be could be the, the season opening of season four. Of the
2: season four, yeah, yeah, that's. True. Um,
1: and having the and over, I mean
2: at that point
1: the there that. Sto- yeah. Yes.
2: I was gonna yes. say there, there are numerous story threads that then start up once he dies, correct? I mean we got the Sons of Feanor doing their thing, we've got potentially Galadriel doing her thing. I mean the 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 kingdoms are getting uh, are, are set, well actually Tingles is already set up. Is Gondolin set up yet? Let's see I my no. timing nope. is all wrong. Okay. Nope. So there's all that to happen. So there's, like, diff- now, once he dies, it's like, doesn't that kind of cause there to be splits in sort of the stories? P- yeah. Some people go that way, some people go that way kind of thing. Yeah. So that's going to make it interesting. And
1: we could go further than the Helcaraxa, and we could end Season 3 with the rescue of Mythros. So we have uh, sort of, like, the, the healing of the breach in the Noldor uh, by, the act of, by the acts of Fingen and Myros uh, be the... Or we actually out.
2: leave the, the, not the rescue, but the literal cliff, cliffhanger of
1: <laughs> the, the, yeah Have our, our opportunity for a, little, a literal because, cliffhanger ending.
2: Well, and I am kind of being sort of serious about that because the, the, uh, the what? Re, re, God, I'm a writer and I can't think of the words. You know, the solving, the... Resolution. Resolution of the relationship <laughs> could happen at the beginning of season four. Right. As a result of the
1: rescue, and come to think of it, it that would—I mean—that comes after the death of Feanor. That's—it's too far. We'd have to include too much stuff. We couldn't go so far as that in season okay. three. Okay, but we could go to the Helcaraxa. I yeah. mean, I liked, and and, and if if following our trend of having season finales be at major epic, defining moments. Uh, like, not just, uh, you know, at moments of, of the history of the people, but of, like, global epic-defining moments. The awakening of the children of Iluvatar at the end of Season 1, the darkening of Valinor at the end of Season 2, the rising of the moon at the end of Season 3, when Fingolfin uh... and the host arrive in the on the shores of Middle-earth after crossing the Helcaraxa. Right. And the moon rises, roll credits.
2: Awesome. Mm. The other thing, by the way, and I think there's a good reason to then stop the Helcaraxa, is also... We're needing to flesh out some of these characters more than, than are in the book. For example, the Sons of Fanor is a great example. Yes. I mean Fingolfin, I, I think we've got a pretty good characterization of and We can you know, we can leverage that. But the Sons of Fanor we actually are gonna to need to put a little bit more flesh on their bones, so to speak. Yeah. So that's yes. gonna take some screen time too. Yes. So I think Helcarax is probably and, and actually What are
1: Emrod and M. Ross actually like? Yes. Yes.
2: Yes. Right. <laughs> 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 and and you know um this gives us the opportunity to do that during that season, I think, too.
1: Okay, so, so the question is, could, could we do... The, what, what I was just mapping for Season 3, could we do all that? Could we get from immediately post-darkening... Basically, the uh, Episode 1 of Season 3 would be like the Oath of Feanor, basically. Right, um, right. And then we get his speech into you know his breaking of the of the of the of exile and coming back to Tyrion and making his speeches and then them departing and then right. the kinslaying and then the journey up the coast and the doom of Mando's and the burning of the ships and the crossing of the Helcaraxa and the moon rises and that's the does, does that seem like all that would fit into a season I I do
2: think it would because I think we're going to have to hang some stories on that in other words yeah. there's going to need to be some sort of sub stories going on in, in the episodes yes you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I do think we could. Well,
1: let's not forget Finarfin turning and deciding to go back, right? That's – right. we're going to have to set right. that up for a long time right. through. With, and we probably know, should put a
2: little bit of attention on Galadriel in this. I mean, yeah. as yeah. grudgingly as I am about that. But it's a, long, <laughs> it's a formative time for her, so,
1: Definitely. you know, I can see it. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, okay, okay. Well, that's good. And then season four, that's when we start the Balerian stuff. And that's right. when we're almost out of time anyway, but that's where I wanted to stop, anyhow. Let's, let's, right. Perfect. we can see where we go from there. But this makes sense to me as a, as a general path. This is exactly the kind of guide I wanted to have in mind um, mm-hmm. so that we have a sense, not just of, you know, sort of arbitrarily where we're going to break it up, but what kind of story are we telling so that we can see where we're headed down the road. This will help us to shape. Season one, as we're thinking about the story of the Valar and how we're and because we're going to want to be consciously setting up the stuff that's going to be happening in future seasons, um, so we're going to be setting up the Bliss of Val, you know, the the season of the noon you know, the, the my overall season title for season two would be the Noontide of Valinor, um, and uh, so we'll, we'll want to be setting that up, and then uh, and then of course that in turn will set up season three which the overall, uh, the overall title could be The Unrest of the Noldor. Cool, um, uh, oh, I and like that. The overall title of season one could be something like The Shaping of Middle-Earth, conceivably, mm-hmm. or the, the Shaping of Arda. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, right.
2: Yeah, okay. Um, now, do we want to continue on in the next episode to flesh out more seasons, or do we, or if we don't do that, then we'll have to dedicate probably another episode further down the line to do to go on into season four, five, six, seven.
1: Yeah, we could always do a... I'm fine with a, either. We could always do a... Uh, uh, I say let's wait on that. We have enough to go on with okay. right now, and we might change our minds about stuff, you know, move them forward right. um, okay. as things go, and so let's... So I'll,
2: I'll kind of make a note to insert an episode dealing yeah. with planning subsequent yeah. seasons at some point.
1: Yeah, we'll okay. insert like a, a, a an extra, okay, and an a uh, an asynchronous season zero episode, you know, in between future right. seasons to, to, to kind of right. talk you know, maybe season even between zero, season two and two. season three, we can yeah we can go back and have a sense. you know talk about this stuff. I think we would so. need to do
2: that. Yeah, as a culmination. Now, so then, do we want to take a break? We had talked about possibly taking a break between episodes. So to if we did zero, that, then yeah, yeah. we could skip. The next one, it would be, I think you said August 14th would be our next episode, starting season
1: one. one. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, And I'm fine with that.
1: But our questions for next time, you know, the things that we want you to be thinking of, next time we're going to be, I want to emerge from our next episode with an outline. One through 13, what the episodes are going to cover. So that's our next major, uh, and also looking a little bit forward from there, the next place we're going to want to go after we do the outline, is casting. Um, so those are the two things that you guys should be thinking about, um, is uh, sort of brainstorming both of those things. How do we map out the 13 episodes, and how do we do, uh, and whom do we cast as the Valar? Now, of course, season one, uh, they're not going to appear <laughs> you know, in their human-slash-elvish forms. Um, they're going to be elemental. That We're, we're going to have mostly CGI Valar in the first season, um, but we still are going to want them to have their voices present, so we should put some thought into the casting of the Valar. Um, and and, and let me one. give
2: a little bit of um, a little bit of instruction with regard to the discussion forum. So now we are going to start using the rest of the of the section. So the across the series section of the forum, which is where the questions are always posted, will continue to have. So that's where the question about the plot, the um, episode by episode outline question will be so that's where you would post your input there now we're moving out into if you start to think about casting there actually is a section called casting and there's a sub there's a forum in there called season one yes okay so that's where you'll put your stuff on season one and then you'll see we'll be moving into sets and props and costumes and music and script as we move through the episodes for season one but yep. so now is the now's the time where we'll, we'll be using the rest of the
1: uh, we'll start using the rest of the forum. that's right that's right Yes, as we actually get into, <clears throat> begin to get into Nuts and Bolts production questions. Um, so, good. So, um, uh, if we did leave a break, it would give us more chan- people more chance to be brainstorming about this and thinking some of these things through. Um, why don't we go ahead and do that? especially since I'm going to be traveling in two weeks and it's going yeah, to be a little more that. complicated. It so,
2: gives people um, a chance. I, mean, I think this is a time of year where a lot of people are vacationing and stuff anyway, so I think it's not just you. I think it's probably nice to, to sort of give people the extra time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So not, we're it's gonna... not just all about you, Coriel. I think we may need <laughs> the extra
1: <laughs> time too. <laughs> I yeah, think, we think we may did. need any extra time yeah, to get ourselves prepared because <laughs> uh, the next episode is going to be a tricky one. We're going to have yeah. to be pretty focused to get through our yeah, outline of 30
0: 30- Yeah. This is, this is where things actually we start may... getting really difficult.
1: Yes.
2: <laughs> the three of us may need to have a little yeah. confab in two weeks' time. We can't <laughs> right. can just,
0: right. we we can we just get away to, with – We want to
2: still have a time slot.
0: We can't just yeah. get away with waving our hands and
1: <laughs> –
0: uh, Yeah, it. we'll start That's here exactly. and here. That's good. Yeah, perfect. Moving on.
1: <laughs> right the next episode is where we have to stop kicking the can that's that's basically that's right mostly mostly we can still kick the details of the particular episodes to the future episode discussions but uh but, that's yeah. true yeah. Yeah. That's good. okay good very good i think i'm i'm awesome. I'm happy with where we've we've ended up here i think uh i think we've we've i, I really like that uh that outline for the first three seasons and and so every, as everyone can see um Odds of our finish, odds of our getting through the War of Wrath in even ten years is looking pretty slim. <laughs> I gotta tell you. Yep. Uh, well, I mean,
2: think about all the stuff that happens. Yeah. I, know, I mean, there's a there's a lot. Even from where we've stopped onto the War of Wrath. Oh my heavens! Yes. There's
1: I mean, a lot of stuff. I mean, yeah. I'm um, I'm thinking there's no way we could get to Baron and Luthien before season five. There'd be oh, yeah. yeah. No, I mean I'd, at this point. I'd, I'd, at the rate at which we're setting it out, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess it's. This is sounding like about a 12 season arc to me, from the Way to the War of Wrath.
2: Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, we've got so much. We've got, I mean, don't we have? Let's see, because I know we've got like the whole Gondolin thing, right? That's before the War of Wrath, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. We got all we that. Got the whole
2: Elwing Ereindil thing,
1: right? The whole thing. We're gonna want to do more with oh oh Uh than you know, than, uh, than. Tolkien ever succeeded in writing, though not more than he ever succeeded in talking about writing. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So and then, so, it's, so it's like twelve-ish seasons, and then Numenor, and then the Third Age, and then. Well, twelve-ish
2: seasons is for is for just the first age, right? Just for the first
1: age. Yeah, yeah. Are
2: we gonna we're gonna we're gonna do second age, right? I mean, the summary really, oh, yeah. really doesn't cover it. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. Let's go back to the um, appendices. Yeah, happened. the big
1: question is going to be how many seasons do we try to do in Numenor? Um,
2: <laughs>
1: how long do we st- spend pre- Arferizon in Numenor? Basically, you know, oh my from, goodness. from the arrival of Sauron, we've got lots of material, right? And we can make a really good story out of the, you know, Amondil, Elendil, uh, Sauron, Arferizon thing. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's the pre- it's the early ages of of. Uh, Numenor, yeah, sort of the real question. And how much of what's going on in Middle-earth do we do? Of course, we're also having the forging of the rings of power, and uh, and the death of Grimbor oh and all that. Well, all the that
2: rise stuff. of the dwarves, and, and Khazad-dum, and all uh, that.
1: Absolutely. That's kind of right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going we to have a... Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, exactly. the whole
2: Holland thing? Yeah, exactly.
1: Oregon and Khazad-dum, that's going to be a big thing uh, during that whole section as well. Uh, Yana, exactly. I... I, I Eldarion and Arendis. It would seem a shame not to oh, right. the one Numenorean story that Tolkien told that is, you know, from the early ages of 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 Numenor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, lots of potential there. So yeah, no, we got we got several seasons easily of the Second Age. Um, so I think uh, we probably have about twenty years of work to do before we even get to the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings. <laughs>
2: I'm laughing, not because it sounds ridiculous. I'm laughing because it sounds actually right.
1: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So um so yeah, yep, yeah, that's um that's that's this is pretty much uh it's probably around there. Um when when we'll have to be, you know, handing this series off to our grandchildren, you know, like say right. handing off the red book, you know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, that's probably that's probably gonna be it. Um but uh, anyway, yeah, cool. So, so good plan. Good plan. It's
2: nice. That, it's nice to have job security.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. No, no, no worries. No worries.
2: Actually, podcasting
1: technology
2: will look completely different. You know. Oh yeah. We'll be, we'll oh be using yeah. That's Plants in our true. in our or something. We'll just be yeah, broadcasting our to...
0: thoughts. Exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Oh um, my goodness. So so yes, we so 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 plan on it. You can we, we can you know start sp- spreading rumors about this. Uh, you know the 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 Mythgard team is planning a new Hobbit adaptation, um, set to begin planning in twenty thirty five. Uh, <laughs> we're all we're we're really we're really uh, fast laning this. You know. Um, That's right. Like
2: Kelly says. Kelly says in twenty years we might need rethinking the whole TV series thing.
1: That's true. Yeah, ex- you know exactly. Yeah, we'll see. We probably will want to adjust to. Uh, it'll
2: be it'll be virtual reality. will be right. the thing. Then, so we'll have exactly. to do you
1: know. Yeah, but I'm I'm really looking forward to adapt to adapting, uh, you know, the second and third ages for the holodeck. I think that's going to be awesome, and <laughs> uh, I'm I'm all in support, all in favor of that. Um, <laughs> uh, so anyway, thanks everybody. I got to let everybody go. Um, but uh, I'm about to go over and do my uh, Twitch feed. you have so. to go to
2: Middle Earth. Exactly. Right. If you want to
1: join, uh, I'm if sorry, you want to guys. join,
2: Corey has join, to go to Middle Earth. Exactly. <laughs> I got
1: I got an appointment. Uh, if you want to join me, and I'm 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 I, uh, my Hobbit, Grifflet is going to meet Tom Bombadil today. So. uh... Woo-hoo! should meet Tom Bombadil nice. and depending on how long that takes me uh, Eric Gorn as well so um, so if you're, you're gonna interested uh,
2: too. you're going to meet Goldberry too Goldberry
1: oh yeah yeah, I told him you're going to meet Goldberry too um, so yes if you're interested uh, in that and you want to listen to me for another hour and a half uh, switch over to twitch.tv slash lotrostream and I'll be on there in about 20 minutes or so so anyway uh, thanks everybody I uh, so say thanks for listening and Godspeed